Welcome to Stories That Stick, a podcast series about the stories that shape us. You'd have Miss Rupchan who would walk into a room, class would go silent. Listeners, before we begin, please know that we start all our conversations with death because we believe that death truly makes us reflect about the life we live and we aim, in our own little way, to share the life of our guests. And in today's episode, we have Marcus Bronzy, a presenter that specializes in audio production, and he's best known for his own podcast series called How to Kill an Hour. That being said, we hope you enjoy today's episode. If you died, yeah. do you care how you go? Yes. I care very much about how I go. I think I would like to be here today, gone tomorrow kind of thing. Do you know what I mean? I I, I want to go out of a bang, shall we say. Because I think as somebody who's who's quite strong-willed, I kind of relish in the fact that I can get about, I'm mobile, I can do stuff. I'm a big person, you know? Um, to be in a situation where I don't really have control at the end isn't something that I'm really keen on. So, you know... If I had the choice, uh, I'd love to, you know, ideally peacefully pass away in your sleep. Or maybe, you know, I'll take a couple of days, a little bit, little bit of pain and then <laughs> be out, you know, punch my ticket out. Yeah. Do you believe in an afterlife or anything like that? I think when you when we have the conversation around afterlife and obviously this is very closely related to kind of how people think about religion. Mm-hmm. I think that there's levels to the way that we can perceive life that we don't understand yet. There are levels that, in the same way, I'm going to oversimplify this, in the same way that, you know, this, the idea of trying to explain flying in a jet to a caveman. It's magic. It's unspeakable. We don't understand it. So I think our energy is dispersed in ways that we can't really comprehend beyond what we kind of think we know all about now. So yes, okay, physically my body will decompose, you know, or my ashes will decompose, depending on how I, I, on how I leave there's levels that we just don't yet understand with things and i'm very i'm very comfortable in my ignorance with that okay i was gonna say how do you sleep at night because <laughs> it seems like you are someone who's a deep thinker the, the, the way that i can sleep at night is and this is one of the most calming things that i've mindsets that i've managed to come across over the years is just taking time to understand that you don't understand sometimes you know so like there's never going to be enough space in my brain in the state it is now to understand everything. I can be like, oh, you know what? I think I'll just know a lot about a little, you know, and be comfortable with that. Be, it's great being ignorant, man. Yeah, fair play. And that's why you have a podcast called How to Kill an Hour. So I uh, <laughs> love the title, Thank How you. to Kill. Speaking of killing, unfortunately, you are dead. Yeah, I'm dead now. I'm gone. What you're going to have to do is you're going to have to take a walk with me and we're going to look at the decades of your life. Within the first decade, what's one of your fondest memories? So many fond memories. I think this is the kind of conversation that would change daily if I were to be asked. Um, I grew up in an area called Halsden, northwest London, and there's a park called Roundwood Park. And there's trees around it, a few little bumps in the pathway. And I had a BMX that I found somewhere near my house. The paintwork was rusty. It was it was a mess. The seat was a mess, and I took it home, 
I remember starting off using a rust cleaner. So I found a rust cleaner somewhere. I don't know where this from. And it was like this pink fluid, I remember, and you'd, you'd like put it on little rusty bits. I left that overnight, washed that rust off. And then funnily enough, you know, the bike started to look a little bit better without, without the rust. I had to save some pocket money to get some inner tubes. So I went to a little bike shop, fixed that up. Had to de-rust the chain, had to oil it up using whatever oil I had at the time. I've got this bike going, long story short, and just riding it down the hill and finding little bumps in the track and jumping my BMX and being like, yeah, I'm a, yeah. I'm a BMXer now, <laughs> I'm sick. That's one of the fond memories I had when I, was, when I was a little kid. What's also interesting, in fact, that it was a project in which if you look at your life now, you predominantly break things down, you put them together, you're into the tech aspects yeah, of yeah. the world. yeah. You alluded to it, and I know it was just in passing, but you were saying you didn't have much. What do you mean? Just financially, I'd say, whilst I'm not pulling out my violin, and, and like, I'd just say I was very aware of that I wasn't the kid that had the toy first. I wasn't the kid that had the toy. Do you know what I mean? Like, I remember my friends having a lot of cool things. I mean, oh, right, I'd love that. And I think very rarely at a young age was I the kid that had that. Do you know what I mean? Whether that be trainers or consoles and stuff like that so for me a lot of the fun stuff i did i kind of had to make it fun build it myself try it myself do you know what i mean so let's move on to the next decade <laughs> okay cool now you know where we're going we're yeah. going to 11 to 20 11 to much. 20 wow let's go from like 11 years old i remember that's that a, a big thing for me when i was 11 years old was going to secondary school because I went to two different primary schools. I just moved just because it was a bit easier for me to get to a different primary school. So imagine I had some friends in like year three, right? Mm. That's when you're like seven to eight. So I had some friends from primary school one, some friends from primary school two. Now, one of my best friends in primary school two moved to another primary school called primary school three. Now, all of those three primary schools fed into the secondary school in my area. So when I went to that secondary school, I was very blessed to have a lot of familiar faces around me so even though I was in a class with like one of my old school classmates I actually found that I knew quite a few people across the year so going into secondary school whilst it was like very intimidating to be walking past these giants on your first day um, eventually when everything settled down in year seven after the first few weeks I was quite comfortable at secondary school. Were you bullied? Was I bullied? Not in the respect that I think other people would consider bullying so would we say stuff to each other that was harsh at school I think my school was probably one of the harshest right but it was give it back as you got it kind of thing right. and I think for me personally what I learned very early on is that anybody can get slapped like that was a that was like anybody can get physically challenged right and I just saw the hassle of getting in trouble right and I was like that's long Trouble from the school, trouble, trouble from, from home, just, trouble from the just, you know, trouble, environment. Just getting into trouble. Like I, I could see that people were starting to make choices that were getting them into trouble in school, out of school, on road. And I was kind of like, it's not interesting to me. So, I, so my interest kind of started swinging towards music at that time. And then as I kind of started delving into music and DJing, which kind of led to the radio career stuff later in my life, that kind of gave me a focus. That gave me something again to be creative and hands-on with. And I don't regret kind of moving over with the muso kind of people at the time that were into kind of grime in whatever form it was them and moving away from some of the the, the people that were just up to badness for, for badness sake, sake you know right. what i mean 
usually within school a certain teacher that really you can't help but remember regardless of how old you are and i believe what miss rupchan miss rupchan so Ruchan. there were many i just want to like prerequisite say this is probably one of the hardest parts of the conversation to have because i'm so aware of how many people input into one life we are a product of thousands of people's lifetimes and that is just that's just the people that we know you know let alone what we read what we consume you know that's knowledge from many people no, I hear that. um but one teacher her name was miss Rupchan. now i was in a very noisy school i'll be honest the, the school was created because three secondary schools closed to create one school but at the time there were teachers that would come in and shout down the club yeah everybody be quiet yeah there were teachers that would give you seating plans. They'd watch you walk into class and, oh, is everyone comfortable? Okay, cool. You're never going to sit like that again. You'd have teachers that would, you know, slam the desk, rough up kids a little bit. And then you'd have Miss Ripchan, who would walk into a room and she'd just stand there for like probably only 20 seconds. The class would go silent. She'd just wait patiently. And we'd all just be quiet and we'd look up to her. And she was softly spoken, but firm as well. Like when she spoke, she meant business. There was a time when I was, I wouldn't say I was being naughty, but I was just a little bit chitty and chatty and meant that I had to see Miss Ripchan quite a few times. And um, she just, she, I remember, she, I don't think she ever shouted. She never shouted. And I think she just took me into her room one day. She just sat me down and she just looked me in the eyes and said, Marcus, this behavior is not appropriate. What are we going to do to fix this? And I sat down and made a plan with her how I was going to fix my behavior in English lessons specifically. And action that plan. So... It was very interesting that she chose that approach. Maybe that was just her general approach, but she spoke, I feel like she spoke directly to me and we had a conversation and, and she almost looked, it was disappointment in her eyes. She looked at me, she's like, you, you know, you of all people, people like you yourself, you know, I mean, young black man should not be behaving like this. Yeah, you can do better. That was what she said as well. She says, you can do better. I believe you can do better. And that, that was, and that was one of, of, of the experiences from school that really stands with me. And I think Miss Ripchan only just retired a couple of years ago. I came back to the school and I, and I said thank you to her um, and a few other teachers. Well, after I left, she requested that I come in and I, and I talked to some of the students about, you know, media. Um, and I've done that a few times. I felt like that is not even a scratch on what I owe her and people that gave me advice like that when I was that age. So, yeah, love you, Miss Ripchan. You're the best. I see what a shout out. Honestly, yeah. teachers really do help shape the future. And if there's a genuine, authentic, sincere, I could use all these synonyms, um, you know, where you recognize the individual and not the statistic, or then there's a power in that. 100%. You can be very clinical in, in the school environment because kids are numbers to a degree. Like there's yeah. even the education system, we won't get into it too deeply, the education system in the UK now is going through a change and, and there's a lot of money moving around in very interesting ways and it's up to schools to perform. Now, when you want a thousand people to perform, how do you maintain a personal approach to them? That's the challenge, right? But for me, it was those 
elements of personal touches that you got from teachers that can really help to help guide somebody who's going in the wrong direction it may not always work you know they just work just, just what worked for me 100 percent. and there's also everyone always seems thinks it's like top down right but it can actually also be left right it can be horizontally 100 to help you yeah, know definitely because i was saying this to a friend of mine where usually it's a messenger that matters 100 percent. 100 percent. yeah career-wise you were saying you start to look at music were you putting any content out oh yeah man a good thing about music at that time is it was starting to become slightly less super expensive right. to be involved in music there was things like pirate radio so i was interested in pirate radio so we get sets on private radio there was there were raves for younger kids that were under 18 so you could try stuff like that as well you know um in an environment that is designed for us so you know we could legally be in a club and party um there were some of the community centers that i think are really valuable in any community that had decks started turning up and stuff like that so i could get on decks you know what i mean so um so what, was your, what was your name did you have a my dj, DJ name? name dj bronzy man okay, DJ, DJ bronzy <laughs> bronzy from day so um so yeah so dj bronzy was creating mixtapes he was you know yeah literal tapes cds stuff like that so you know you could distribute and whether it's just giving a couple of your friends a little mix that you've done or even if you recorded a few like you know sets off the radio you give it to your friend or mini disc cd Same whatever the ladies yeah, oh, oh everyone had a slow jam cd oh, okay <laughs> come on we all had a slow jam cd so i had like my r&b big hitters <laughs> you know my breaking breaking case of emergency um brilliant yeah and and luckily there were quite a few sound boys that were around us so shout out to to winner roadshow chris sweeney uh new winner roadshow richie f you know there, there were a lot of people that, that were in my circle of friends that were very musically inclined. So as I was coming up, my enjoyment of music was nourished by other people that enjoyed music. So that could be a conversation. That could be something you go and try, you know, let's go and get the latest albums. Let's see who's got the hottest mix, you know, let's all link up and, and get on the decks and you see, see what kind of vibe we can have. And, you know, without, without realising that you're in the, your own little musical crew. Do you know what I mean? You know, you get your, your friends and then, you know, if there's a house party in the ends... Yeah, yeah, you get called that. to come down and, you know, you're appreciated as the sound guy. Do you know what I mean? If you come and you do your job well, you have a good time. The the, the ladies and gentlemen enjoy themselves. You're kind of free to observe from the sidelines and get involved <laughs> as you wish. You know what I mean? It's very good. Get involved as you wish. Yeah. Oh, Marcus, you are, yeah. Uh, God. <laughs> now we're going into your third decade, 20 plus. There's got to be times or memories that have an imprint. And there's something that you wrote on the prompt questions was the story of the fisherman. Talk yeah. to me about that. So this is something that resonates really heavily. I mean, I've read this in very many iterations and it's something that, um, it's actually something that has become more relevant to me now more than ever. So in this story, there's a, a very successful businessman and a retired fisherman. He goes to the fisherman. Oh, I see you caught a good few fish today. Like, you know, you've done all right. Fisherman's like, yeah, yeah. He goes, how many fish do you catch every day? He goes, catch a couple for myself. Might sell one or give one away, you know. And the businessman goes, well, you could do so much more. And the fisherman goes, like what? He goes, you know, you could stay out fishing for twice as long. You've only been fishing for a few hours. You know, you double your catch. And the fisherman says, and then what? He goes, once you double your catch, you can sell more, make more money. And the fisherman goes, well, and then what? He goes, you know, buy another boat, employ somebody get twice the amount of fish again get them to work all day for you and the fisherman goes and then what he goes then you have a fleet of boats 
bitch man that says and then what he goes then your company's pulling in millions you're doing so well you can invest in property take that money move it all around the world you can see everything you want to see and then the fisherman goes and then what he goes then you can retire and enjoy that and then the fisherman says and then what and the rich man says you can do whatever you want and then the fisherman says like go and catch some fish every day give a couple away and relax so that story resonates with me it's, it's, and it's kind of helped me to kind of start to think about the whole plan you know so so that's why i'm very comfortable talking about death because i think it's unavoidable man it's happening like we should be having conversations a lot yeah it's a serious thing you shouldn't trivialize it but you know it helps you to kind of think about you know where are your priorities in life like where do you want to be what's the end goal no that's a great story and that definitely resonates with me personally as well there's a gentleman called Tim Ferriss he has the four-hour work week and he yeah. speaks about mini retirement so yeah. you actually see whether or not what you assume you want to do in retirement is something you actually can see yourself doing for an indefinite period of time yeah and he's a now, great example as well because he's somebody who has retired but he's working the hardest he ever has in his life because that's his fishing mm. that's the point I'm not trying to tell you as a listener go and fish I don't even like fishing markers but you know, find your fishing is the kind of thing that, that, so, that I've taken from that. Speaking about finding your fishing, explain to the audience, if that's okay, like what it is you're doing and, you know, how we can get on board if you want us to get on board. Yeah, 100%. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, everyone, everyone can get on my fishing boat. Um, so, in essence, I am a presenter, right? But in 2019, it means that you are required to do a lot more as a presenter social media and whatnot it's obvious we won't get into that so part of my journey as a presenter has taken me from working for big corporations like the bbc global cbbc whatever and i've learned lots and lots from those big companies and i still continue to do content with them it's great but with regards to podcasting we launched how to now i started off just myself and dj ace uh who i knew from the radio days and then, you know, we've expanded to a selection of great presenters and regular contributors. I'll name some of the amazing ones like Dev, uh, Nick Bright, Funk Butcher. And it's just grown as a show that used to discuss technology and tech in a way that, you know, I'm not a tech guru. Like, we're enthusiasts. And I think that who's better to tell you about whether they like something or not? somebody who's a fan and super into the numbers or someone says that if i say Addy, look this for example we covered camera phones recently people are going to me what phone's the best for a selfie what yeah. phone's the best to take pictures of landscape what phone's got the best camera for this and so we just took some cameras out and tested them on phones and we can have that general conversation like for example you know this phone's amazing for this this is great in low light and we really found that there's a market for that now we found a, a podcast studio put some you know really good mics in there you know set up some visualization services and now we've got a studio that we can create our own podcasting the side effect of that was loads of people going oh yeah this studio's all right bruv like can i hire it out i was like nah it's not fire oh this is lovely as well can i hire it out nah it's not fire and i was like oh hang on there's a business here and then podcast studio london was born so podcast studio in london surprise surprise <laughs> and we now offer services to help people with productions of podcasts the thing that we have that's different that we bring to the table is my methodology comes from radio production over the years, presenting over the years. And when I say I produce radio, I, I still do actively produce national radio as well as presenting. So I know how this stuff works. But what I want to do with the space is, is as, we, as we grow, like we're at capacity at the moment. Um, so I'd like to grow so we can have more clients that we can take on. 
and also within that I'd like to offer podcasting services to people that would not access it and we said this before we press record I don't just want to give you the mic and let you press record I can do that if you want if you really want to do it but I'm talking about like proper production like let's take some fine ideas and let's give them the support that we would have benefited from a few years ago do you mean or even as if we were younger could you imagine if somebody said to us let's make black ticulate but they gave you support they helped to accelerate that process so that's something I'd really like to do because there's not enough young black voices well there are enough but they're not being heard do you know what I mean so I want to help people help people do you know what I mean like that so that's the idea Before I do let you go, is there anything that you would like just to leave as a an imprint on those who are listening to your story right now? Is there anything that oh, wow. you might think? Oh, It's just my story. It's not yours. No. So this is a very selfish conversation from me. Very self-indulgent conversation where I've got to talk you through what's gone in in my life. But it's not it's not my life. It's yours. So I think you and I, Ade, we're at a, 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 a live podcast event and... Somebody who's watching the show said to one of the presenters, how can I be more like you? And the presenter was like, nah, you can't like, can't be like me. You're you. And I'm not trying to say this in an obnoxious way. Like there are people that are way more successful than me. People that aren't as successful as me, but like what's, what's helped me to learn. Maybe there's a nugget in there. Maybe if the fisherman story, maybe the Rip Chan story helps you or whatever, but like just focus on your own path. Do you know what I mean? And, and like, that's where I think that's where the happy happiness is where you find your path and you're happy with what you output do you know what I mean because realistically when I think about what I've done for most of my life really I've kind of just done what I've enjoyed but I've made sure that I worked really hard on it so that it brings home the bacon at the same time do you know what I mean so like find your fishing there we go I like that find your fishing (laughs) I really like that so guys we're gonna end it at that Marcus thanks very much for joining us the stories that stick Today's episode was produced by Ade Bambala. Sound designed by Chris Orise. And if you'd like to be featured on Stories That Stick, then please do get in touch. Blacticulate Productions.